Hello, everyone, and welcome to another new episode of the Focus Point Podcast. I'm glad you decided to give it a listen. I hope that these words encourage you and bless you. I hope you'll share them with your family and your friends. And as always, you can check out past episodes and other blog posts over at thepointoffocus.com. This is episode nine and the last episode in our series, The Last Night with Jesus. If you haven't caught some of the other episodes in this series, you can go and check them out. Uh, at thepointoffocus.com, and I encourage you to do that as we've been kind of looking through John 13 through 17 in this series. So you can kind of fill in the space there as as we've spent the last nine episodes looking at this last night with Jesus. And today we're looking at John 17, and we're looking at the prayer that Jesus prayed Right up now, we're getting right up to the moment here. This is the one of the last things that he does before he is betrayed and arrested. So, back in January, we did a series called Talking to Jesus on Prayer. In that series, we talked about the who, what, where, when, why, and how. We talked about the very basic starting points of prayer and how sometimes we can get it to where. We make it complicated and then prayer gets confusing and overwhelming even maybe because we may not be doing it right or all of that. But we talked about in that series that there's no right or wrong way to pray. We talked about how Jesus just wants us to pray to him. Jesus wants us to have a conversation with him and that's what we do when prayer. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. Jesus isn't sitting there grading us on our prayers. We are looking at John 17 today, and we're looking at how Jesus prayed. And Jesus often prayed. He prayed in the morning. He prayed in the evening. He prayed in the afternoon. He prayed in the late hours of the night. And this is the late night prayer that we're looking at today. As I said throughout this series, this is Jesus in his final hours. The final teaching of Jesus are arguably the best Jesus did. Not that the elders were bad, not that the Sermon on the Mount was bad, not that the parables were bad, not any of that. It's just this is his final teaching, his last few words that he's got to say to his disciples. And Jesus knows that, and so it makes these teachings better. It makes these teachings more personal and more intense and more... Uh, practical as he's really trying to get over this point that these are his final hours. But the good things we can see from this late night prayer, and we're going to see those today. With this prayer, we get to see the heart of Jesus. And this episode is going to be a little bit different than normal. We are going to be looking, like I said, the prayer in John 17 in three sections. But we're going to read it. We're not going to be like where I hit a verse here or there as we talk through the sections. We're actually going to read each section and talk briefly about them, so it's going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. But by the end of this, we will have read the entire prayer, and we will have talked about the little points that I believe Jesus wanted us to see. And so we're also going to be looking at this in the, in the message translation of the Bible. Typically, we use NIV or NLT, but today... We're going to be using the message. And so here we go. The first section, okay, as I said, it's divided into three sections. And we're going to look at each section and then we're going to talk about it. But then it says um, in John 17, 1 through 5, 
it says Jesus said these things. That means that he said these things, as in all of the things that he said before. Um, in the NLT, it says after saying these things. So we're talking about what all that he said to his disciples, and now he's going to pray. Then it says, then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your son, so the son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human, so he might be, so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is real eternal life, that they may know you, the one true, the one and only true Son of God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. So there are a few things in this episode. So there are a few things in this paragraph. The prayer. First, we see Jesus assume a posture for prayer. In the series, Talking to Jesus, we discussed a posture for prayer a little bit. We said that Jesus wants us to just talk to him. So it doesn't really matter. Like some people fold their hands. Some people close their eyes. Some people pray with their eyes open. They, they pray while they're walking. All of those different kinds of things. And it doesn't, it's, it's just the posture that you have. And we see Jesus here raising his eyes in prayer. It doesn't say that he knelt. It doesn't say that he folded his hands. It says that he just raised his eyes. And, as I said, all Jesus wants us to do is talk to him. And same thing with God. All God wanted to do was hear from Jesus. And he did. And he, and he, prayed, to Jesus. he prayed to God here. So Jesus choosing a posture for a prayer to God the Father. Jesus looked to heaven during his prayer. This was a sign that he was praying in a hopeful manner. And some of these details are in the description of where I got these um, thoughts from. But it, it, it's a hopeful thing. Like he's praying as a prayer of faith and confidence and victory. Jesus knew what was going to happen in the end. But Jesus also knew that victory was right around the corner. Then we see Jesus mention it's time. He says, Father, it's time. Jesus is indicating here that the time has come for his purpose to be fulfilled. Jesus had come to live a life we couldn't live. In living that life, Jesus was able to be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the people. As we see in Matthew um, 121, Philippians 2, 6 through 8, and Hebrews 4, 15. He came to live a life that we couldn't live so he could be that sacrifice that takes the payment for sin away. And Jesus knew the time was coming close, as he said at the very beginning of the night in John 13, 1. He knew that it was time. Jesus, however, is not praying for himself. I forgot to mention that, sorry. This is where Jesus prayed for himself. But it's not in the it's not praying for himself in the way that we think it is. He's praying for himself in a sense that he may be glorified and that God may be glorified. Jesus says that they may know the one and only true God. And this is the eternal life that God sent Jesus to give all the people on earth, as John 3.16 indicates. All Jesus did on earth was for the glory of God. Now the time had come for Jesus to do one final act of act for the glory of God. The final act was his death on the cross. So that's what Jesus was praying for. He was praying for himself and he was praying for this 
this step that he was going to take and this glorification process that God will be seen through his actions. It wasn't, you know, God help me and like all this stuff. Like we may sense that he's praying for himself. Um, we do see it in the other um, parts of this prayer in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where he's actually praying, hey, take this cup from me, you know, all of that, but not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. And that's what Jesus is praying here. He's not praying for himself. He's praying that God be glorified through what he's doing. So then the prayer continues. John um, 16 and John 17, 6 through 19. This is a little bit longer of a section, but it says, I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were all, they were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me and now, and, and they have now done what you said. They know beyond the, sorry, they know now beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you for the message you gave for the message you gave me, I gave them, and they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believe that you sent me, and I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world for those you gave me. but for, Sorry, I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours by right. Everything is mine. Everything mine is yours, and everything yours is mine, and my life is on display for them. For I am no longer going to be visible to visible to them in the world, but they'll continue in the world while I return to you, Holy Father. Guard them as they pursue this life that you have con that you have conferred as a gift through me, so that they will be one heart and one mind, as we are one heart and one mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them in the pursuit of the life that you gave through me. I even posted watch. At, I even posted a night watch and not one of them got away from me except the rebel bent on destruction. The exception proved the rule of scripture. Now I'm returning to you. I am saying these things in the world's hearing so that my people may can experience my joy completed in them. I give you, I give them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, but because they didn't join in the world's ways just as I didn't join in the world's ways. I am not asking you, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. There are no more defined, they are no more defined by the world than I am. Make them wholly consecrated with your truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I am consecrating myself for the sake of, for their sake, so that no, so that they'll be truth consecrated in their mission. So Jesus is praying for his disciples here. That's who he's praying for in this section. He's praying for his disciples. Jesus spent the last several hours teaching and encouraging his disciples, and he another did another great thing for them by committing them to God in prayer. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to. Jesus knew what the disciples were going to face after he left. And he tried to prepare them for that time. Jesus asked God to protect them and keep them from the evil one. Jesus is praying that God will protect his disciples just as he had done while on earth. Jesus also references Judas as the one who got away, but that it was to fulfill scripture. And he did it under his own doing. 
Jesus kept watch over what God gave him is what he's praying here. I kept watch over these men that you gave me, but Judas got away under his own doing. Jesus is asking God to protect them because he knows that he has to leave them and he knows what they are going to face when he leaves. Jesus is also praying for strength for them as he knew what they were going to witness in the coming hours. And it was going to cause them great sorrow, as we read in John 16, 20. And that was what Jesus was saying. He, he tells them, you're going to grieve over what happens to me. But then it'll be turned into joy. And that's what we talked about in last week's episode. Jesus also prays that the disciples would be unified. Jesus prays that just as he is one heart and one mind with the Father, that he would want the disciples to be one heart and one mind as well. He prays for unity. He wants them to be unified around the work that Jesus has done and around Jesus, just like they are unified, just like Jesus and God are unified in the work. Jesus wanted them to stay connected to the source, as we found out in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Stay connected for me so you can do the great things that Jesus has planned and that we read in John 14. So Jesus is kind of putting a big bow on all the things that he's taught them. And he's praying this prayer to God as he's uh, wanting them to be encouraged through all of the words that he said. So he's Jesus, in a sense, is kind of asking God to bless the words that he taught them, to, to bless the encouragement that he gave them by saying, you know, apart from me, apart from the vine, apart from the source, you can't do anything and just before that, he's talking about the great works that the disciples will do in Jesus' absence with the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lastly prays for them as they start the mission he has given them. Jesus knows it won't be easy for them, but he wants them to succeed and carry out with strength the mission of the kingdom. This is what Jesus has for them. But then the prayer continues and he prays for one more group of people. I am not praying only for them, but also for those who will believe in me. Sorry, this is um, John seventeen twenty through 26. And um, this is what he says as the prayer continues. So he prayed for his disciples. And then he prays here for another group of people. I'm not praying for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and one mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and one mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I give them, so they will be unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they will mature in oneness and give the godless world evidence that you have sent me and loved them in the same way you loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory. The splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I've known you that in these disciples know that you have sent me on this mission. I have made your very own, sorry, I have made your very being known to them and you and who you are and what you do and continue to make it known so that your love for me might be exactly as I am in them. So Jesus is praying for all, praying for us here. 
but he's praying for all believers, but he's praying for us. The third part of Jesus' prayer opens this section by praying for those who will believe in him because of the works of the disciples. So he's praying for us. He's praying for this mission to continue. And once again, he's praying that the actions of the disciples show love, as John, as he said when he said, love, um, the world will know by your love that you are my disciples, love each other, in John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus also prays that that we might be where he is, as we saw in John 14, 1 through 4, so that we can see him in all the glory and splendor. Jesus closes the prayer by saying that the love Jesus has for us is the same that God has for Jesus. Jesus prays for us continue to continually show love as he has shown us love. This is what Jesus is praying here in this last little bit. He wants us to be where he is. He wants us to know who he is. He wants us to know that we are loved and that we are cared about. He wants us to know that deep within the deep within his heart of hearts. That's what Jesus wanted us to know. Not just us, but the disciples and the world. He said as we saw that he loved as we saw at the very beginning of the series, he loved us to the very end. And this is what this is the very end. This is what Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for us to have unity. He's praying for us that we would be one with God because Jesus is in us and he is in the Father. Jesus prays that our actions will show the world love and the love of Jesus. So as this post in this series comes to a close, I wanted to look at one more thing. This night that we have been looking at over the last several weeks is also recorded in the other Gospels. One reason I say this is because it's believed that John expounded on the night's events in his Gospel. The other, the other is the prayer section of the night. It ends in a different way, which sets up the events of the next few hours. When we read about the time of prayer in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see that Jesus asked his disciples to keep watch while he goes and prays. So he brought his disciples with him, and he asked them to, you know, hey, sit here, stay awake, I've got to go pray. But the disciples couldn't stay awake. Jesus comes back to them three different times and finds them asleep. And as I said, this is in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke account of this. In the Luke account... He comes back that third time and he tells them, hey, go pray so you don't fall into temptation. But Matthew and Mark indicate something different that happens. And Jesus says something a little bit different, which sets up the events to come as we continue on in our journey through the rest of the book of John. But it sets up here in Matthew and Mark. Jesus wakes up the disciples for the third time. And he tells them this. He tells them in Matthew, and both of these are quoted here because they're very similar. Uh, the one I'm reading is actually Mark 14, 41 and 42, but it's almost verbatim and exactly quoted in Matthew 26, 45 and 46. But like I said, I'm reading out of Mark 14. It says, when he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But no, the time has come. 
The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. As I said, I referenced both of them because they are almost exactly identical. But the phrase I want to look at is, look, my betrayer is here. He tells them, get up, let's go, my betrayer is here. Judas knew exactly where Jesus was going to be because he had gone there many times with Jesus. We see that in John 18, 2. So this little phrase, Jesus could see Judas coming. That's because we also see in John 18 that Judas was coming with Roman soldiers and temple guards and they had torches and weapons and things like that. So he could see them coming. It wasn't like Judas was sneaking along in the dark, coming to do what he had to do. He was bringing people with him and he knew that the time had come and that everything was about to change for the disciples. And in this moment, here in the garden, these next few moments, not only was it shocking as Jesus was arrested, an innocent man having done nothing wrong, really, being arrested in front of them, but to be betrayed by Judas, the man that just a few hours earlier was having dinner with them, that they thought was off to handle treasury business, pay for the meal, as we discussed in earlier episodes of this series. But now Judas, once again, standing before them with the Roman soldiers there to arrest Jesus. It had to be a shocking moment, but it wasn't just that because it was just beginning for them. As Jesus said, and I've already said it in this episode already, but it's you're going to grieve over what is going to happen to me. So the disciples were about to witness not only his arrest, but everything else to come. And it was going to be shocking to them. It was going to be shocking to the people that followed Jesus. The people that, that in a sense, bought into Jesus. The people that believed in Jesus, believed that he was the Son of God, believed that he was the Messiah was now being arrested, going to be crucified later, and they had no idea what was to come. None of them did. Jesus spent the last few hours trying to tell the disciples all that was going to happen to him, but that didn't mean that the people that believed in him knew what was coming either. And all of this was about to unfold. All of this was about to go down And Jesus is really the only one that knew what was going to happen to every detail. We know, looking back now, reading the Gospels, we know what Jesus was setting up. We know what Judas was doing here. We know what Jesus was, we know what was going to happen to Jesus and what what he was in for. But the disciples didn't, and the believers that knew he was the Messiah, the Son of God, the people that, this is Palm Sunday, right? This is this is Palm Sunday weekend as this is being released. Palm Sunday, they just celebrated Jesus coming in, riding on the donkey, as we see in John 12, and, and that whole event just happened a week earlier. And now the same man on the same streets was arrested now and now he was a criminal and we're going to see those events unfold over the next 
over the next episode, and then we're going to get into Easter. But I wanted to take a second here to to kind of go forward with that. As we said, we're leaving the disciples here, okay? They're seeing Judas coming, and Jesus has called him a betrayer. So just that line, rise, my betrayer is here. Can you imagine the thoughts that are now running through the disciples' minds as now they see this betrayer that Jesus has identified as a betrayer? They see him coming, and as he gets closer, it's Judas, can you imagine the thoughts that are running through their minds? And then, as I said, the events that start to unfold. We're going to unwrap those in the next episode, as well as Easter. Easter's coming. So, as I said, um, Palm Sunday is uh, happening this weekend. And that was when he makes his triumphal, triumphant entry there. And he rides on the donkey. And people lay palm branches down and they celebrate him. And that's in John 12. And then, this last week here, okay... What we've been looking at the last the last nine weeks in this last nine episodes of this series, we've been looking at John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. All of these events happen within the last week of Jesus, but John 13 through 17 is the last evening, the last night that they spent together. So as we wrap this series up. We're not done with John yet. We're going to go into John 18 and 19 and 20, and we're going to just spend some time looking here. I'm excited for these next few things. And I just want to let you know, we're going to spend some time as we've kind of set the mood here, looking through these different passages of scripture. We're going to spend some time and we're going to be reading in the next episode for Good Friday that comes out on Good Friday. We're going to be spending some time just reading John 18 and 19 and looking at some different parts of that story. And then Easter, Easter, we're going to spend some time looking at the Easter story, but we're also going to look at this idea surrounding scars. And that's the the, the title, Scars Have Stories. And that's kind of what our theme is for Easter, is scars. And we're going to be looking at the story of Doubting Thomas. So... I'm excited for what's to come over the next couple weeks, and we're going to be able to dive more into this time with Jesus and see these events unfold and kind of be in that space with the disciples. As we've spent the last nine episodes doing, we were in this dinner with them. We were in this last night with Jesus, with the disciples. We've taken our journey through there. And now we're going to continue the journey into the events of Good Friday, the events of Easter, and we're going to just spend some time in that space again. So as I've said, we are leaving the disciples here. As Jesus has said the words, rise, here comes my betrayer. And like I said, they could probably see off in a distance that it was Judas. Can you imagine the space that they're now in? Wait, your betrayer? He's he's Judas? What what does that mean, Jesus? And just the thoughts and everything that start to come in. And then as they start to witness what's really happening and what's really going to happen to Jesus, they just all of this stuff just starts to unfold in front of them. Everything that Jesus had said, everything that Jesus had been telling them starts to unfold slowly, one at a time, starts to unravel their very, like, 
they're, they're very space in life. It starts to just infiltrate that space and everything starts to change for them. And so, as I said, we're going to continue into that space with them as now Jesus is, Jesus is now on the cusp of being arrested, being betrayed and arrested and all the events that we currently know. But if we could just take that space out and and just be in there with them as we have for the last nine episodes of this series where we've just spent time in there with them. That's where we're going for Good Friday. That's also where we're going for Easter. And I'm excited for all of it. I hope that you'll come back and join us for Good Friday. Come back and join us for our Easter episode, both uh, releasing these coming days. And I'm excited to share with you. I'm excited to be in this space with you as we journey with the disciples through these events and see them unfold as they did and then see Easter unfold as they did and just the the sorrow that's turned into joy just like Jesus said it would be. Come back for Easter. Come back for Good Friday. I hope you'll give us a listen for those episodes as well.